Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, the new Congress is sworn in with a record number of LGBTQ lawmakers. Donald Trump scored a victory in court this week regarding his proposed ban on transgender military service members. Comedian Kevin Hart's homophobic tweets and jokes landed him on Ellen DeGeneres' couch. And Madonna surprised the crowd at the iconic Stonewall Inn on New Year's Eve. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. The 116th Congress was sworn in this week with a record 10 openly LGBTQ members. Two U.S. Senators, Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, the first out lesbian ever elected to the U.S. Senate, and Kirsten Sinema, who recently won her tight race in Deep Red, Arizona last month to become the nation's first openly bisexual member of the Senate. The House of Representatives welcomes newly elected Angie Craig of Minnesota, Sharice Davids of Kansas, Katie Hill of California, and Chris Pappas of New Hampshire. And returning to the House, after winning re-election are David Cicilline of Rhode Island, Sean Patrick Maloney of New York, Mark Pocan of Wisconsin, and Mark Takano of California. Congratulations! Donald Trump scored his first win in his fight to ban transgender people from the U.S. military as a federal appeals court ruled in his favor this week. A panel of three judges in the D.C. Court of Appeals ruled unanimously to overturn an injunction ruled by U.S. District Judge Colleen Collar-Catelli, which prohibited the implementation of the anti-trans policy. Now, it's important to note that three other judges have ruled against the trans ban, and those injunctions remain in place nationwide. And so, trans soldiers will continue to be able to serve in the U.S. military for now. In fact, this week's ruling indicates D.C. Circuit Court may have more to say about this ban later. The five-page decision handed down only addressed Kohler Catelli's injunction, saying she technically, quote, made an erroneous finding that the Mattis plan was not a new policy, end quote, because she failed to note certain nuances about the plan issued by former Defense Secretary James Mattis. While Donald Trump's July 2017 tweets were a blanket ban on transgender service members, the Mattis plan would ban from service all transgender people who require or have already undergone gender transition and bans people with current or recent gender dysphoria diagnosis. In other words, they still have to ignore the fact that they are transgender. Transgender advocates say gender dysphoria is literally a defining characteristic of being transgender. And so the Mattis plan is still a full-fledged ban. Although, under the Mattis proposal, trans soldiers currently in the U.S. military would be allowed to remain in service. LGBTQ advocacy groups, the National Center for Lesbian Rights, and GLBTQ Legal Advocates and Defenders, GLAD, quickly denounced the ruling in a joint statement. 
Shannon Minter, the legal director for the National Center for Lesbian Rights, said in that statement, Today's ruling is a devastating slap in the face to transgender service members who proved their fitness to serve and their dedication to this country. We will keep fighting this cruel and irrational policy, which serves no purpose other than to weaken the military and punish transgender service members for their patriotism and service. A 2016 study by the RAND Corporation found that allowing the estimated 2,000 to 11,000 active duty transgender troops to remain in the military would, quote, have minimal impact on readiness and health care costs, end quote, for the Pentagon. The research estimated healthcare costs for trans soldiers would cost only $2.4 million to $8.4 million a year, which represents a tiny 004 to 0.13% increase in spending. In other words, infinitesimal. Additionally, the study concluded there would be little or no impact on unit cohesion, operational effectiveness or readiness in the U.S. military should trans soldiers be allowed to continue serving. The LGBTQ community in Brazil began to see its fears realized on New Year's Day when newly elected President Jair Bolsonaro immediately issued executive orders targeting the South American country's gay citizens. Just hours after his inauguration, Bolsonaro removed all LGBTQ issues from the agenda of the Human Rights Ministry. Damaris Alves, a former evangelical pastor who is now Brazil's new Human Rights Minister, said in her first public statement, quote, The state is lay, but this minister is terribly Christian. Girls will be princesses and boys will be princes. There will be no more ideological indoctrination of children and teenagers in Brazil, end quote. In removing LGBTQ concerns from the Human Rights Ministry, Bolsonaro did not name another agency to take on the responsibilities. Bolsonaro has been virulently anti-LGBTQ his entire career, having worn the label of proud homophobe for years. In the past, he said parents should beat their children if they suspect they might be gay, and that he'd rather have a dead son than a gay son. Sadly, his platform of anti-LGBTQ, anti-black, anti-women, and anti-indigenous positions won him the presidency with more than 55% of the vote in October. As I've recently reported, numerous same-sex couples made a dash to the altar to get married before Bolsonaro took office, concerned that he might attempt to reverse the country's 2013 same-sex marriage law. According to NBC News, Bolsonaro signed a document in partnership with the Catholic organization Voto Catolico Brazil, promising, quote, to defend and promote the true meaning of matrimony the union between a man and a woman, end quote. LGBTQ activists and advocates saw that as a threat to repeal marriage equality. Bolsonaro's impending presidency led to a recent 66% spike in same-sex weddings in November, according to the New York Times. Considering the assault on LGBTQ rights by the Trump administration, it will come as no surprise that Donald Trump tweeted a message of support to Bolsonaro, who's been called the Trump of the tropics. Trump also sent his Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, to attend Bolsonaro's inauguration.
A federal judge ruled on Thursday that Christian activists attempting to stop Houston libraries from hosting Drag Queen Storytime lacked standing to bring their suit, and so the case was dismissed. The program, which brings drag queens to children's storytelling hours in libraries, bookstores, and schools, was begun over a year ago by the nonprofit Radar Productions. Drag Queen Storytime encourages children to suspend belief and explore their imagination while embracing a message of diversity and acceptance. The American Library Association has fully endorsed these types of programs in any iteration as a right to intellectual freedom. They've even curated a collection of resources for individuals seeking to bring drag time story time to their libraries or community spaces. But back in October 2018, three men filed a lawsuit in protest against Houston Public Library Executive Director Rhea Lawson and Mayor Sylvester Turner. In the filing, Plaintiff Tex Christopher declared that, quote, gay marriage is fake marriage. And as a Houston taxpayer and library cardholder himself, he felt he had standing because the library spent money on books for the story hours and paid for flyers to promote them. According to Courthouse News, U.S. District Judge Lee Rosenthal dismissed their lawsuit on Thursday for lack of standing and failure to state a viable First Amendment Establishment Clause claim. Rosenthal said the men could not prove the threshold issue that they had been injured by the story hour because it's unclear from their pleadings that any of them had even attended the events. Rosenthal wrote in a 19-page order, quote, The plaintiffs assert the very opposite. They purposefully avoided Drag Queen Storytime because of its alleged immorality and potential to harm their children. Instead of witnessing the event, the plaintiffs, quote, researched it online. Now, for context, it's worth noting that one of the plaintiffs, Chris Seaver, had previously filed lawsuits claiming that if men can marry men, then he should be able to marry his laptop computer. That explains the kind of people who are bringing these lawsuits. The men now plan on taking their case to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. On the Friday night episode of his CNN show, host Don Lemon chose to weigh in on Ellen DeGeneres, declaring that she's forgiven Kevin Hart for his past homophobic tweets. On her talk show, DeGeneres recently invited Hart to respond to the anti-gay controversy that led to his stepping down as Oscars host this year. Hart portrayed himself as a kind of victim for old tweets and jokes of his that had resurfaced, some of which called for violence against gender nonconforming children. DeGeneres says she's forgiven Hart and he should be given the job as Oscar host. Like many, though, Lemon wasn't satisfied with Kevin Hart's handling of the scandal, or DeGeneres acting as if she's the decider on who's forgiven and who's not by the LGBTQ community. Like many LGBTQ activists and advocates, Lemon noted that Hart had only apologized for the past jokes and tweets after he stepped down as Oscar host, and Lemon reminded viewers that Hart had previously refused to apologize and never in the many years that have transpired since the 2009 and 2010 jokes and tweets, an actual substantial apology that began with the phrase, I sincerely regret 
or I apologize. Nope, none of us could find that, folks. Said Lemon, I don't see any meaningful outreach to the LGBT community, said Lemon. Apologizing and moving on does not make the world a better place for people who are gay or who are transgender. Being an ally does. Backing up Lemon's assertions were facts about the dangers for LGBTQ black youth. 44% of homeless gay youth are black, and 62% of homeless transgender youth are African American, according to the Center for American Progress. I'll admit I've been torn on this issue for several days now. While I admit that we can forgive people for past transgressions and for showing growth as an adult, what did bother me about his appearance on Ellen was that he seemed to be inconvenienced or frustrated by the fact that he still had to handle this issue. If you truly have changed your mind or turned the corner on past homophobia or recognized how harmful those jokes and tweets could be, why is it such an inconvenience to just say a straightforward apology? As I pointed out, he did so after he stepped down, but the website Vulture.com did a deep dive into past statements about all of this in interviews that Hart has given over the past 10 years, and they could not find one sincere apology. Madonna surprised the New Year's Eve crowd at the iconic Stonewall Inn in New York City with a midnight appearance. Madge was recently named a Stonewall Ambassador by Pride Live to help bring awareness to this year's 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising on June 28, 2019. In honor of the anniversary, World Pride is being held in New York City this year. Appearing on stage in an appropriate melange of leather, chains, and glitter, the Queen of Pop noted, this is the smallest stage I've ever been on. She then went on to address the diverse crowd about the memory and revolution of Stonewall. She said, I see you. I stand here proudly at the place where pride began, the legendary Stonewall Inn, and the birth of a new year. We come together tonight to celebrate 50 years of revolution, 50 years of freedom fighting, 50 years of blood, sweat, and tears, 50 years of sacrifice, 50 years of standing up to discrimination hatred, and, worst of all, indifference. And it all started here at Stonewall. Let us never forget the Stonewall riots and those who bravely stood up and said, enough, enough brutality, enough violence inflicted on this community, enough stigmatism, enough oppression, enough pain and suffering. We must never forget where we came from. Madonna then launched into an acoustic version of her mega-hit, Like a Prayer, and that was followed by a duet of the Elvis classic, Can't Help Falling in Love, with her son David on guitar. Ewan McGregor will executive produce and star in Simply Halston, a limited television series exploring the rise and fall of Halston, considered America's first celebrity fashion designer. Did you know that Halston began his career as a hat designer? Roy Halston Frowick from Indiana rose to fame after designing Jacqueline Kennedy's pink pillbox hat for her husband's 1961 presidential inauguration. He would go on to have celebrity clients like Lauren Bacall, Margot Hemingway, Angelica Houston, Liza Minnelli, Bianca Jagger, and Elizabeth Taylor. 
The Studio 54 regular also designed uniforms for the U.S. Olympic team, Girl Scouts, New York Police Department, and the very cool Branagh Fairways. But in 1982, Halston faced severe backlash when he began designing for J.C. Penney. After a hostile takeover, his company was eventually acquired by Revlon, and Halston ultimately lost control of his international fashion empire. He died in 1990 from AIDS-related complications at the age of 57. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. Hey friends, I know this really cool podcast. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com and instinctmagazine.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.